0: Chapter 8 of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 Bad Counsel. There are very few things that have the power to please us both in heart and mind, even when they have the will to do it, which is very seldom. Great events in our lives flash by without a word, and scarcely seem to give us time to chuckle or to sob till afterwards but the little turns of time are more indulgent and pass us with a sauntering foot more often dull than lightsome for the moment i was glad to find that my uncle cornelius in his plain way had taken a liking to my love but i gave him little credit for it inasmuch as it seemed impossible to me that he could do otherwise such was my petty jealousy that i did not even want to hear him praise her except in my own words but he in his solid way would take his own view of her character, as if he knew anything about it. I don't care a farthing about all that, I cried when he had spoken of some things which tell the longest. I can see she is very quiet and full of home affections, he persisted, as if I were a boy at school and he were holding the spelling-book. She is not extravagant nor fond of waste. That I saw by the way she went through a hulling superb with a hole in it i could scarcely have done it any better myself and she was really grieved which the lady housekeeper had not the sense to be by the freedom she called it recklessness with which i picked those jeffersons to find one in tip-top condition and then when i offered to make some tea the housekeeper who had been stuffing for hours only asked if the water was boiling but your sweetheart began to buckle up and she asked who could touch tea after such delicious things. Buckle up indeed! Uncle Corny, you are outrageous! She had got no such thing as a buckle near her. Her waist is done round with a narrow blue ribbon the color of the sky as her eyes are, and I will thank you not to call her my sweetheart, if you please. I shall never have such luck, and it sounds so common. There ought to be a better expression for it, and such things are not made to be talked of very well you won't hear me say another word it will all come to nothing that's one comfort she goes back to london on friday and you will very soon console yourself with rasps young woman i am told that she has fine black eyes and i am not sure that black don't beat blue ones after all this was so disgusting that i went away and worked till dusk at a heavy piece of trenching and when it was dusk, I lay in wait for three felonious boys who came from Hampton almost every evening prowling for our apples. I called all three and trounced them all, which is the only proper plan, and the sound of their wailings as they went home restored my faith in justice, for I had given them their choice, a licking or a summons, and they said very justly, Oh, a licking, if you please, sir the world has now come to such a pass that a father would summon me for assault if i so discharged his duty for him but thirty years ago a bit of common sense survived but in spite of that little satisfaction i could not get much sleep that night for rolling and pondering and twisting in and out the tangle and the burden of a troubled mind turn as i might there was no opening through it for another view of that perfect creature with whom my whole life seemed to flow terrible terrible was the truth that she would leave us all on friday and be swallowed up and no more seen in that great earthquake london a thousand wild ideas and schemes for stealing yet one more interview and countless crazy hopes that she herself might try to compass it all came thrilling through my restless brain but not one would stop there none had any shape or substance such as could be worked upon and brought to likelihood of success this was tuesday night last saturday night how different everything had been then i had only cared to know that things on the ground were doing well that all the fruit which required gathering got its due and looked its best on its way to be devoured that every man pocketed his wages in good time to spend them and that there was a little hope of the weather taking up at last now there had been three days without rain and with touch of autumnal sunshine heaven began to look bright again and the earth which like the dwellers therein lives only aright in view of it was beginning to lift her sodden crust and fetch once more her storm trampled breath and issue anew the genial green in the midrib of mouldy foliage in a word the summer which had failed the year for want of a smile to lead it was breaking out at this last moment better late than never possessed as i was with my own troubles and only a flickering sunshine i could not resist the contagious lightness of cheerful faces all around the workmen who do in spite of all british reserve and manly selfishness Take a deep interest in their employer's welfare, and stand up for him bravely when any one abuses him, except themselves. Every man of them laid heel to spade or hoisted ladder on shoulder with new briskness, because they could say to one another, The old buffer who carries on this place has fought against long odds like a man, and now things look as if they was taking a little turn in his favor. On the Wednesday morning, glum, however, was my mind and grim my face and uncle corney made some jokes which may have seemed very good to him our breakfast things were set as usual and our breakfast cooked and served by mrs tabby Tapscott, that sage widow from the village whom we were often pleased to laugh at for her devonshire dialect also for her firm conviction that nothing in these outlandish parts and none of our biggest men were fit to compare with the products of the west there was one point however on which we gladly confessed the truth that was in her she could fry potatoes not leathery chips nor the cake of pulpy fatness but the crisp yet melting pattern of brown gold so as none of the east may fry them she turned them out of the frying-pan upon a willow patterned plate and the man deserved to wear the willow who could think of weeping near them now this good woman who was a cure as the slang boys of our village said took though i knew it not as yet a tender interest in my affairs for the last day or two i had observed that she glanced at me rather strangely and once or twice behind my uncle's back she had put her finger on her lips and then jerked her thumb over her shoulder as if to say come and have a quiet word with me but my frame of mind had appeared to me too noble and exalted to be shared with her until it was come to such a pitch that any aid would be welcome this morning as half of her fine work remained on my plate neglected she could no longer contain herself but pinched my sleeve and whispered while my uncle was going to the window come out in the garden i want to speak did you speak away i answered there is nothing to stop you mrs tapscott but she looked at me and muttered that i was just a fool and she had a mind to have naught to do with me by the common law of nature this made me long to hear what on earth she could have to say and i gave her the chance while she washed up the things to see where i was and come out if she pleased she might do exactly as she pleased for i did not intend to courage her she came out and began without asking me i can't abide to see ye look so cruel waste than peaky the torn of your nose ain't the same as her was and you don't zim in home with your vittles maister kit lor bless ye i been drew the same my zen and i knows all about em at first i was inclined to walk away but it would have been shabby to be rude to her and a look of good-will and kindly pity was on her hard-worn face and eyes what can you have to say to me i asked you be young and i be old she took my coat to stop me you be pert and nimble and i be almost crippled with rheumatics and romego but the lord hath made us all alike though he hath given us different i knows as well what ails ye now as if it all come through my own heart and what you be sayin yourself is how be i go on with it this was a wonderfully accurate description of my present state of mind i looked at mrs tapscott with the admiration she deserved and said well then how be i to go on with it i've a thought out she made answer bravely what you be bound to do maister kit is never let she go back to london without settlin here was the whole of it in a nutshell but how was i to settle anything oh tabby dear tabby i cried with some loss of dignity but much gain of truth how can i even get the chance of saying a word to her again this is Wednesday, and she goes back on Friday, and perhaps she never comes again. And there are millions of people between us. Everybody knows what Miss Cold Pepper is—as proud as punch and as stiff as starch. If I even dared to go near the house, she'd just tell the gamekeeper to shoot me. whoa a young man as a fallen in love must take his chance of shotguns. But if so be you, that's her go away without so much as another word you deserves to have no tongue in the head of ye. how easy it is to talk i replied making ready to leave her and think by myself but how hard and impossible tabby to find any chance of doing anything i must make up my mind not to see her any more but to think of her always as long as i live Dicks cried mrs Tapscott, her favorite interjection of contempt what it meant, we knew not, and probably not she. Puddlecks, where be the brains o' they men? I could tell thee what to do and have a second lad. The vetch old called papper, and the young lady too, and every mortal woman o' the thicker oos to harm e'er to do the same as if they sighted a burnin' in the muckpit with their Sunday vainery under the arm. I looked at Tabby Tapscott with some surprise she was giving greater force to her description by using leg and arm as if she bore a share in all of it and the vigour of her countenance made me smile but the old woman laughed with a superior air take it a bit of time for folks with slow brains to follow my mind up don't her now go up to ours young man and steal old regulus steal old regulus i cried in amazement why what good on earth would that do me and if it would do any good how am i to manage it i have not been brought up to that profession i see a man to barren boar babe and forty year agone the most wonderful clever chap i ever see he come a-courting of me the tame as i were rooken the purest maid in all the parish of Westown. but i wadn't have none of em, because a were so tricksy howsomever i didn't say no a once for a war the most wonderful chap I ever see, a lord had been and given ye a very sort o of counsel. I could churn the house out of any veal the linny, I could make of the coos earn to one. When the calves was zuckin', I could fetch a dog a took a fancy to adwine twine his owner's legs her from own supper, and it showed me a trick or two I hadn't forgotten yet i could tell he pretty smart how to fetch old Raglass and capin' so long as you must minded now i might have paid little attention to this indeed had begun to reject the suggestion of a stratagem far below the dignity of love till suddenly a queer dream came to my remembrance a dream of last saturday night the very night after the little adventure at the timber bridge in that enchanting vision i had seen miss Fairthorne smiling as she came to me through a lovely meadow enamelled with primrose and cowslip and bluebell herself of course the fairest of all the flowers and when i approached her behold she was led by this same dog old regulus who conducted her gracefully to my longing arms by means of the long gold chain which had reposed on the stately bosom of mrs jenny marker i am not superstitious as everybody vows when recounting his dreams but still it did seem strange leave it out to me mrs tapscott went on as she saw my hesitation Nort for ye to do but give me a shillin for to buy the stuff and nobody no wiser den go afore sunrise and fetch old Ragless. Put em in a bargain, keep em snug and thick there as old brutos. My stars and garters, what a bit of fun will be! End of chapter eight.